Good evening. Welcome to Championship or Bust with Max, Zach, and Josh. As shareholder and therefore part owner of the Atlanta Braves, oh, no. I felt it was my duty and obligation to provide an explanation to justify the obviously disappointing resolution to our season that took place this past week. Honestly, finding the words to describe and atone for this complete and utter travesty is impossible because, quite frankly, there's absolutely no justification for the way that this finished. Therefore, what can an owner do when he has no idea how to explain something and to get it off the back? <laughs> he rips off a statement from another owner. So, without further ado, on behalf of my and only my two shares of the Atlanta Braves, here is the officially official statement that I completely ripped off and plagiarized from the Tampa Bay Lightning. We don't have any words. <laughs> you don't want to hear them. We understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness, everything you're feeling. We get it. This isn't the ending we imagined and certainly not the one we wanted. Thank you for being there the entire way. A statement that truly moves mountains and could never, ever possibly be made fun of by other obnoxious fan bases. It may not be my words, but I want you to know that I mean them. From the bottom of my heart, I am sorry for all of those aforementioned feelings that you're experiencing right now. And I can assure you that moving forward, we will perform an audit and we will be a team that does not worry about individual statistics and does not pick fights with all of you. <laughs> now that we're done talking about our incompetence and failures, let's just point out the fact that I will be doing more to help our team this winter than Hal Steinbrenner will for the New York Yankees. <laughs> but this is true. enough of incompetence and failures. Let's move on to people who didn't choke in the playoffs. The uh, – Boston Red Sox. Uh, this episode. Josh, take it. <laughs> so, the 1916 World Series, the American League Boston Red Sox versus the National League Brooklyn Robins, which would later become the Brooklyn Dodgers. So, game one was played. Again, Boston played their games at Braves Field instead of Fenway because Braves Field had a much larger capacity at the time. And game one saw Red Sox starter Ernie Shore throw eight innings of one-run ball for running into trouble in the ninth inning. Thankfully, the Red Sox offense had his back, and reliever Carl Mays ended the Robins' rally in the ninth inning and secured them a 6-5 win in Game 1. Game 2 started with an inside-the-park homer from the Robins' high Myers, and the Red Sox ended up tying the game in the bottom of the third on an RBI single from Babe Ruth. And Ruth, who was a pitcher at the time, would then go on to pitch 13, yes, 13 <laughs> scoreless innings and in what I he called this. the greatest game he ever pitched. And in the bottom of the 14th inning, a pinch hitter, Del Gaynor, would single in the winning run. This 14-inning game was the longest World Series game by innings that wasn't broken until Game 3 of 2018. Wow. Funny enough, between the Red Sox and Dodgers. Hmm. So, I didn't even need runners on second base in the extra innings to do that. <laughs> anyway, Game 3, Brooklyn finally picked up a win on the back of starter Jack Combs. That's some timely hitting and a 4-3 victory. But the Robins pretty much used up all their offense in Game 3. They were able to scratch across two runs in the first inning of Game 4 and then got just completely shut out for the rest of the game. Boston behind Larry Gardner's second home run of the series, this time a three-run inside-the-park homer, would win that game 6-2. to two. And then in a quick one-hour and 43-minute Game 5, Ernie Shore would take them out and throw a three-hitter for Boston. While Boston's offense capitalized on a couple of errors for a 4-1 to one victory and ending the series, in five games. The Robins were rather pathetic in the series, hitting a whopping 200 and committed a whole 13 errors in five games. Yay, early 1900s baseball. Yay. 
All right. So with the Hall of Famers, we start, of course, as we always do, with our umpires, Tom Connolly oh and Hank O'Day. Don't know the rankings. Sorry. Uh, starting with the losing Brooklyn Robins. Now, you may be wondering why Brooklyn was called the Robins, and that's actually because of their manager, Hall of Famer Wilbert Robinson. Uh, this was his first pennant. Uh, for me, he's actually the only Hall of Fame manager in the basement of my period, but he has some fun facts about him that's kind of cool. Uh, he had a career record of 13-19 and 13-18. Uh, we'll be hearing about him one more time later on, also losing the World Series, so he made two pennants, lost them both. Um, I said it before that the Robins were named after him, but he also managed a fellow Hall of Fame manager in Al Lopez, and both of them were catchers, right? So Wilbert Robinson started as a catcher, then he was a manager. Al Lopez was a catcher, and after watching Al Lopez, he had a very unique style of catching with only one hand. So after watching him a little bit, Wilbert Robinson uh, called Al Lopez a punk because he caught behind the plate with one hand. <laughs> and I quote, tell that punk he got two hands to catch with, never mind the fancy Dan stuff. <laughs> Love old school trash talk. Yeah. So Al Lopez wound up passing him in games played as a catcher, became a manager himself, uh, wound up a little bit better, and wound up in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so pretty much in anything you can do, I can do better kind of career uh, comparison between the two. And we will be talking about Al Lopez on future podcasts. That's Root Mark one. Fourth World Series, fourth loss. Uh, eighteen <laughs> sixteen was the best year of his career, actually. He was thirteen and six with a one point five eight ERA in thirty six starts. He was actually three hundredths of a run below Grover Cleveland Alexander for the ERA title. Wow. Uh, struggled in the World Series though. He went 0 two and gave up nine runs in eleven innings. And back to the basement he goes. Zach Wheat. Uh, actually, welcome to the podcast, Zach Weed. He's a newcomer. It's his first World Series appearance. He was elected in 1959 by the Veterans Committee. And not only does he share Zach's name, but he's also exactly Zach's type of player. He was a hitter's hitter. Yeah. He had an 817 OPS and never hit more than 16 home runs in a season. That's but right. He did have a career of 2,884 hits in just over 2,400 games. Um, he has a career war of 60.4. And he's slightly off the average left fielder in peak war and jaws, but he's definitely not a bad choice for the hole for any means. Um, I have him 14th ever, level one, alongside names like Fred Clark, who we've talked about in the past, and Jim Rice. Uh, he went 4 for 19 in this World Series with a triple and a stolen base, so nothing great. He had a 602 OPS, uh, but definitely a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame and one that the Veterans Committee actually got right. Uh, and finally, for this team uh we have casey stengel who was not on the team as a manager uh he was a hall of fame uh manager for the yankees so we'll be talking about him for years and years to come so i'm not going to waste time on a biography on him right now because it's really not relevant yet but he played in this one and definitely a cool notable appearance and he played very well uh he went four for 11 with a 364 average 727 ops all were singles that's why the ops was so low but he did his job and Fred Merkel, who's not a Hall of Famer, also made an appearance in this World Series. He went one for four throughout the series. So just wanted to shout out Merkel's boner. Goat, goat. Uh, for the World Series winning Boston Red Sox. Uh, Josh already mentioned him. He's not a Hall of Famer, but Carl Mays was part of this team. Uh, really, really good pitcher with a bit of a shorter peak. He won 25 games in two different seasons. And he was another guy who actually spent a bulk of his career with both Boston and the Yankees. 
Uh, he had a career record of 207 and 126 with a 2.92 ERA. He's pretty below the Hall of Fame standards in all the sabermetric categories, but he's definitely still a notable name worth mentioning. Uh, now that we're moving on to uh, the actual Hall of Famers of the Red Sox, I wanted to start off with this because I realized that this is the second time that Herb Pennick was a DMP in the World Series. So normally when I talk about Hall of Famers, I usually say it was their this appearance and this title. So when I say that, I want to point out that I'm only counting appearances if they're actually playing in the series. Mm-hmm. So for the respect of Herb Pennick, I'm not calling this a World Series appearance or a World Series title. This would have been his third appearance and second ring, but I still consider him a one-time World Series champion because he did not play in the series. Uh, he started nine games in 1916, and I'll try to remember to say this and come back to this whenever it's relevant. But, for example, and we can debate about this actually at some point if you ever wanted to, but to me, if you lead a team to the, let's say in modern day, let's say you lead the team to the ALCS and then you get hurt, I think you're a winner of the ALDS. I don't think you won the championship. You have to be in the championship to win. That's just my opinion, though. I get why people may feel otherwise. So talking about the Braves from a couple years ago, I would say Freddie Freeman is a champion, but Ronald Acuna was part of a championship team. That's just kind of how I see it. Um, and the reason I point this out is because Pennick is going to come up in at least five more episodes in the near future that he actually played in. So this, like I said, this would have been his third appearance and second title, but I'm still going to consider him for the sake of this, a one-time World Series champion. And just wanted to clear up confusion there. And I'll try to acknowledge that whenever I think it's applicable. Uh, but on to the guys who played in the series itself. We have two. Uh, both are returners. Uh, Harry Hooper, third time playing the World Series and his third title. So kind of the reverse Rube Marquardt. Uh, he got there and he won when he was there. He played really well in the World Series. He had 333, went 7 for 21, 893 OPS, one double, one triple, one stolen base. Like I said last time, I have him in the basement, but he's a guy who performs well consistently when it mattered most. I don't really have a problem with people saying he belongs in. I, I'm not against it. Uh, I just think statistically he falls a little bit short. And last but not least is obviously Babe Ruth. Uh, This is still well before Babe Ruth was Babe Ruth hitting-wise, but he started to make his mark as a pitcher now. Uh, He played 67 games this season as a hitter. He hit 272 with three home runs. As a pitcher, he had 23-12 and with a 1.75 ERA, which led the league. And he threw nine shutouts, also leading the league. In this series, he played in one game. He had five plate appearances, went 0-5 for with an RBI. But as a pitcher, he threw a 14-inning complete game with one run ball. So definitely a dominant dominant outing for the superstar and a sign of what was to come uh, in terms of just being a high-level performer no matter which capacity he was performing in. And as I said last time, he's he's my top right fielder and probably my top hitter of all time. But I am on and off between him and Bond sometimes. So Mm -hmm. that's the Hall of Famers, and we can head right to the current events. I don't know where you guys want to take this first. Uh, we can just briefly go over the championship series that are going on. And today, uh, the Rangers are up 2-0 on the Astros. Uh, I didn't definitely didn't see this coming. Uh, just wanted to get your guys' brief thoughts on uh, top teams left in baseball, top four teams. Uh, let's go Texas. Fuck Houston. <laughs> Scherzer's, on, Scherzer's on the mound. Scherzer is on the mound for game three. Ain't no way that can go bad. Put him away. Put him away, oh, right? Knock on wood. <laughs> Put him away. It, like, I'm not 
gonna bring up anything from the past, but I am very happy to see Texas doing well. Uh, yeah. More importantly, I'm very happy to see Houston struggling. Uh, we're, we're through two <laughs> games. There's still plenty of time, though. I'm not getting ahead of myself here. Uh, but Texas is definitely putting up more of a fight than I'd say any of us expected. Oh, yeah. um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of the series goes. Now that we're through a uh, solid chunk, we still haven't had Scherzer come up yet. Loved watching Verlander struggle yesterday. Um, and <laughs> that, I have to point that out. I will never not point that I out. I know. But Jordan Alvarez hit a dinger today, and it didn't even matter. So, yeah. perfect game for Texas. I, I think they're right where they want to be, but they got to just keep it rolling. They can't let up now. You know what's going really well for them? Their bullpen has been sus all year, and it's finally like coming together. Like Chapman was in the game. I actually he pitched really well. Very well, surprising. Chapman when it matters. I know we had a rough sample size with the Yankees, but a lot of people have a rough sample size with the Yankees. When you have a guy who was able to break a 108-year curse with the Cubs, you're not going to have more pressure than that. I don't think mm-hmm. it any of it phases him. Yeah, I'm just surprised their bullpen's doing really well, but I'm happy for them as well. Hope to, hope to see they can make it. I uh, definitely want them to beat Houston. And in terms for the Arizona Philly series, I'm sure you're all just going to troll me and say that you want Arizona to win, right? See, I'm not. I gonna do, do but I don't think they will. Yeah, I don't think they will either. Yeah, I don't know. I, I both of them are in actually the same boat, where they're both these younger, hotter teams, just ready to roll. They didn't necessarily peak in the regular season. They both played well in the regular season, but this is the time that they're both heating up. I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm leaning towards Philadelphia just because they have the experience. Yeah. But I also picked Arizona over the Dodgers. And this is I did too. <laughs> so I, I don't want to count them out. I think it'll be a decent series. I think Philly ultimately takes it. Yeah. Um, after Gallon, I'm not sure who they have that can go toe-to-toe with Nola. I mean, Philly's pitching isn't that deep to begin with either. It's those two. So. And Aaron Nola's had a rough year. He has, but he pitched well the other day against Atlanta. So, I just, I wait. I just want to say something. I, I'm yeah. just gonna say I find it quite comical that uh, Texas is getting so far, and they've spent so much money in the last two off seasons on players, and nobody talks about that because all they can talk about is how the Yankees and the Mets spend so much money, and they all, and they both suck complete ass. Yeah, you're right. I mean, well, Degrom is out though. Well, I mean, what they got Seager, Semyon, Avaldi. Do they pay him? I'm assuming well, they Seager, Simeon, Evaldi, they traded for Montgomery. They yeah. traded for Scherzer. They went all yeah. in. And so they did. All in. You know, they traded They traded for Chapman. You know, they didn't, they didn't just sit there and twiddle their thumbs. And it actually worked. I wanted to bring this up because I've seen this on Twitter. And mainly just Braves fans crying. But both division winners are um, out already. Well, I mean, almost all the division winners are out, right? Except all for Houston. Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying anyone who had the time off, yes. Yeah, and they're all complaining that they really had too much rest before the division series. And I understand like the other side of this argument that, oh, your opponent's coming in fresh and playing. But isn't this a good problem to have? Like, don't you want this problem? Like, what do you, what do you think? I don't ever hear anyone complaining about this in football. Right. Ever. I mean, there, there have been years where I understand it's a good problem to have. I understand, but at, or it may not be a good problem to have. But figure it out. If you're the best team in the league, if you're the team that should win the title, you win. Yeah. You win the games. 
And I think if you give anyone the choice in September, after they just played 162 grueling games, just got through the dog days of summer, and you're going to say, oh, would you guys rather win the division and get a week off? Yeah. Or would you rather be playing three more games, possibly get eliminated? The trade-off is, yeah, you're a little bit rusty, but you're guaranteed to move on. I think anybody would take that trade, and you'd be a fool not to. Only the people Mm -hmm. who are complaining about losing are... You know, exactly. And it's a loser's mentality. But yeah, Josh, what did you think about the the whole like rest excuse thing? I mean, there's there's some thought behind it, and I don't particularly agree to compare it to football because baseball is more of a timing thing and a, a mentality thing. The thing I don't particularly understand is if the league is so greedy about their money and they want to have more games for more money, why did they feel the need to turn the wild card into a three-game series, but the AL, but the ALNL divisional series is, are five-game series? Yeah, that just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Like that, if you want money, that's a seven-game series. That that's like the easiest of things to do. But then again, Rob Manfred is a gigantic moron. Yeah, so that would be too smart to do. I can get behind that too. Uh, you said that I think in the last pod, and I thought that was like such a no-brainer. Like I don't know why they haven't implemented that already. Yeah, but I mean, if they're if they're really so into this expanded playoff crap, which I I think is utterly ridiculous, then they really would be better off shortening the season, mm-hmm. and then not having a wild card, but just having the top sixteen teams. Yeah, the the seating is a problem a little bit. Sorry, go ahead. I'm glad that you said that because I actually have a thought about expanding the playoffs, but not in the way that they've been doing it. Uh, so what I'm thinking here is that we go, we look at the AL and the NL. We have 15 teams in each league, right? We don't have any ads because I know the ever since the Astros moved over, it's been even. The NL to the AL. We have seven teams get in. You have your divisions, you have your wild cards. Seven in each division get in. In the AL, so that means you have eight teams who are out. But AL and NL, you have one round, I guess, three rounds, but one set single elimination between the eight teams. The winner of that bracket gets your eight seed. So no one's automatically eliminated. It eliminates tanking. It eliminates all these guys who are getting 100 lost seasons. And all of a sudden, you can have people like Shohei Otani and Mike Trout playing meaningful baseball. So here's where I disagree with you on that. What they should do is they should abolish divisions altogether. They should honestly yeah. abolish the leagues altogether. It should well, just I'm be fine a with that. I'm saying if we're going with the ALNL because it's tradition and that's all. I know. Well, I mean, you can, keep, you can keep theoretically ALNL, but you have to yeah. abolish divisions because you cannot have a division like the AL East and have another division like the AL Central or yep. a team like the Twins who has no business being in the playoffs, who's worse than the worst, who's they're worse than the worst team in the American League East. Making the playoffs as a, as a one seed, yep, is totally the dumbest shit that. I've ever seen. Hundred percent agree. But fine, yeah, so you stick AL and NL. You don't even worry about division winners. You go straight by record, and your top NBA. seven get in in each league, and your other eight fight it out for the eight seed. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I mean, I don't know how that's gonna stop tanking. You can still just tank all year and then throw your game at the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, but at least that is meaningful baseball. And now the A's can try to market that as a playoff game. So <sighs> Don't worry. If to the playoff game, then maybe the MLB steps in. Yeah, going back to the rest thing, I think it is a good problem to have. And 
I understand it is a problem, but you, you can't make it your whole excuse. Like, I know even Dave Roberts said something like, oh, I know, Sherm, you had a point, though, like the timing thing, but then take more reps. Like, I, did, I, did, I don't think, it, I don't really think it's a good thing to have. I mean, you know, I to me, it's, it's, it's when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking of starting pitchers. Like, these guys are on a set schedule for mm. months. You know, they're going from April all the way until September, where they are throwing meaningful baseball every fifth day. So then maybe, just maybe, we can tell the guy is making now, nine So now suddenly this guy has a, you know, a 14-day break. No, I mean, I agree. It's not it's not an excuse, but no. there, there's there's some logic behind it. Yeah, I get the logic, but maybe then they should be proactive and try to start them on a little bit of a stagger. I, either that or it's um, – I know you're saying the pitching, but actually the bats went cold for both teams, the Braves and the Dodgers. All those MVP guys did not hit at all. So I don't know what that's all about. You know, maybe put more reps in on the off days or something. And I hate to sound like an old man yelling at a cloud, but I never heard – I never have heard a story about Christy Matthewson or Jim Palmer or Bob Gibson or Sandy well, Colfax yeah. or even Randy Johnson or Greg Maddox complaining that they had an extra day off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, usually those I don't guys are hear every, every third day. Well, right. When it's the playoffs, it used to be every three – you know, you run three pitches. Yeah. So. so then you figure it out. Exactly. I, like it is a – you are privileged to have that problem, you know. Like, and I respect Brian Snicker for, you know, not entertaining that. And I respect Spencer Schreider for not entertaining that. Yeah. Last thoughts on uh, the playoff rest, anything? Stop whining. That's yeah. all I got. Uh, stop complaining. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're just Yeah, right. Exactly. Acuna can't go one for 12 or whatever. It's absurd. Um, and Adley Rushman had a rough series, too. Yeah, I'm not really surprised your Orioles came out. Yeah, the O's are actually trash. 100% agree with you. They hit their peak too early. Yeah. And that's the opposite of the Diamondbacks and Phillies. I I think they just were a young team, and they weren't ready for the pressure, and they crumbled like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, but young teams have won before. Yeah, it just depends. That's that super young. I mean, they're the youngest team. Really young. No, but Sherm's right, though. I mean, Rushman is, like, the guy on that team, and he's got to be younger than us. And he's leading yeah, Buster Posey was our age when he won his first title. So, like, people figure it out. I'm not trying to be critical of Rushman. I like Rushman. Yeah, but they still, yeah, but the thing is that, that, that those teams had veterans on the team yes. still. That they may not have been the guy driving the, you know, driving the bus, but they were, you know, they, they were there. They were the bus. Who was the veteran of the Cubs starting lineup that year? Jason Hayward was like 29. I mean, they had Lester. Lester, Lester kept yeah. in line. Okay, they had one vet out of oh, a team. Oh, who's that catcher? Had. Jim Ross? Jim Ross. Lester, right? Zobrist, uh, J- uh, David Ross. Oh, yeah, David Ross. David Ross. Yeah. Um, I just don't think the Orioles had a guy like that. Period. They don't. Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he played well. He played really well. He did. Not surprised. I just felt oh. bad for the fans in uh, Camden Yards. I felt really bad for those guys. <laughs> no, I didn't. But you know, don't worry. Be there, and they knew it. Yeah, girl. D- d- don't don't worry though. Don't worry. Now that we trade away Jordan Montgomery for a sack of potatoes. <laughs> We're going to go try to buy his rights in the offseason for too much money because they should have kept him the whole time. That's how it goes, right? But hey, you know, we didn't need him in our rotation because we have Frankie Montas now. How many how many games did Montas throw in the One. year and a half he's been here? One. I think he threw about three. Oh, three game. Oh, right. Wow. 
Speaking of, we got some front office shakeups. We did want to mention, um, Mike brought this up earlier today. The Marlins GM, uh, Kim, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Can I say that again? Kim Ng. Kim Ng. Okay. Yeah. She stepped down today, uh, which is surprising because I thought she was actually pretty decent GM. But it sounds like very similar to the reasons Jeter left. The ownership just doesn't, I don't think they want to commit. It just doesn't sound like they're 100% in on the team, and they're definitely going to hold them back. Well, no, um, that's not true. What they, what they, what what happened was is they told her that they wanted to hire a president, president of baseball ops, which means that she would be the number two, and she told them, it's my way or the highway, and they chose the highway, so she stepped down as opposed to being fired. But she took that team to the playoffs. It really should have been hers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they she, she constructed that roster. I mean, Jeter did a lot of things, mm. and she picked up from that. But she made a lot of moves to get them in a position that they are now, and then to more or less disrespect her like that is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely. She'll get a job anywhere. She she'll get picked up by someone. I mean, it's got to be the right team because teams may, you know, depending on where they're from, fans may not receive it. But uh, the Mets have a vacant GM position. Oh, you're right. The Mets have a vacant GM position. <laughs> Didn't the Mets get David Stearns? He's not the GM. Not oh, president. He's president. But then she she'd be leaving laterally. That is true. She might not go for it, but maybe the Mets respect her a little bit more. Who knows? I'm thinking Boston. Could be. That's a good pick. I think they have an, you know a clean slate pretty much where you can just build around Devers and Yoshida mm-hmm. and roll with it. Just that Marlins organization is kind of sketchy, man. I feel like they're just going to be perpetually in this cycle now. Like, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, they could very well, uh, you know, become the Marlins of old and just sell the whole team. Right. And That's start the Marlins over. way. They buy for a year, then they sell for a year. Then they yeah. don't do. Re- they don't really do rebuilds. Did they pay you know? Jazz, or is he still on his rookie deal? I don't think they. I don't know if they paid him, but he's not that good. Well, yeah, no, he's but so overrated. He is a draw, but you're right. He has a 150 OPS plus and hitting 250 with a 1.2 WAR in the year. And he plays the outfield now. <laughs> yeah, right. He's even more replaceable. Yeah. And apparently, not a lot of people like him very much. But no, Kimming did a great job. Derek Jeter was doing well when he was there too, and they were there it together. Was. And I think that was probably part of why Jeter left was he probably wanted the power too. But this seems to be a common trend with the Marlins. They have That's what I'm they have a good foundation and then they blow it. Yep. And honestly, this year they they had a shot to contend. I mean, look at who's around right now. They lost Alcatara. They lost Solar yeah. for a couple of weeks. No, you're 100 percent right. They limped into yeah. the playoffs. They were very hurt. So, so sp- speaking of Chisholm, by the way, he has no contract. Oh, okay, so yeah, they didn't pay him. He is a restricted free agent. Yeah. And that trade for um, Luis Arise worked out great. Oh yeah, that that worked out. And it's funny, you know, you know how you know how Chisholm got to Miami. <laughs> he was on Arizona and got traded for none other than Zach Gallen. Wow, wait, Miami had Gallen. Miami had Gallen. Oh my 2019, god. They traded him for Chisholm. Oh my god. Neither wow. one of them are having too much fun right now. Wow. I just I just don't like Chisholm because he's like Acuna where you know he talks all that big shit and yeah. and does his does his stupid dances and all that crap. Except Acuna's good and he can back it up. Chisholm is hot trash. 
He's a mediocre player at best. And I will never understand why they decided to put him on the cover of MLB. Because the guy's not that good. Anything else you wanted to bring up in terms of current stuff? That's all I had. Yes, the hockey season has started and it's fantastic. Oh, uh, well, if the Sabres could realize the season started, that would be uh, really great. Uh, I mean, like you said, they usually start off, you know, 8-0, and 7-0, and and then they absolutely crumble the pieces. But, yeah, hey, this year they're 0-2, so they're getting it started early. So and maybe they'll make the playoffs. Mid-season <laughs> Sabres. Yeah, maybe they'll make the playoffs this year because uh, they're starting slow. But and they look like trash. Maybe we can find some common ground between the game. Rangers and Islanders. Uh, the Ranger game was terrible, man. Uh, they didn't look too bad against the Islanders. They just had a bad first period. Uh, they woke up, but yeah, uh, disappointing so far. We'll see. It's alright. I mean, to, to me, to me, with the Sabers, honestly, is that uh, their defense is mediocre at best, yes. and they did nothing to nothing to improve it. Yeah. Yes, Dalian is very good, and yes, Power is an offensive defenseman, but he's atrocious in his own zone, and they really don't have anyone past that. No, they don't have any veteran presence on defense either. It's just Dalian. No. Yeah, they're gonna have to learn and grow. Yeah. From that team better. is only gonna go as far as Tuck can carry them. And that wraps up our 1916 installment of Championship or Bust. Thank you for listening and for viewing the TikTok camera. Uh, really appreciate it. And once again, I would like to sincerely apologize from the bottom of my heart. Uh, at the very disappointing finish from the Atlanta Braves. Thanks a lot. There's always next year, and we'll see you soon. Peace.